You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. Welcome to Grindhouse Courthouse. The court is now in session. This is Dylan, and I'm your judge for this week, joined by the best juror we could find, Tom. Adam was supposed to be another juror, but he relies on Apple products, which are pieces of garbage and you should never buy. Unless they choose to sponsor us, then you should definitely buy them. Anyway, say hi to the hypothetical people listening to the show, Tom. Hi, everybody. Did you know that if you upgrade your operating system on your Mac laptop, it'll just turn off your USB ports at random? I did know that. Uh, no follow-up. I just want everybody to know that. That's all. On the docket this week was The People vs. Taken 3 starring Liam Neeson, but we couldn't find it on any streaming service right away, so we gave up. Instead, we watched 2018's The Commuter starring Liam Neeson, best known for his role in Taken 3, Rob Roy, and Darkman. The film co-stars the couple from the Conjuring franchise, Vera Farmiga and Jonathan Banks, which explains why the Metro North train that Liam Neeson commutes on turns out to be possessed by a nun that was murdered in the mid-16th century. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) With a budget of $40 million and a box office of $119 million, The Commuter was a financial success. The movie tells the story of Michael McCauley, an NYPD officer turned insurance agent who commutes every day on the Hudson Line from the suburbs of New York City to Grand Central Terminal. He's abruptly laid off from his job and confines in his Murphy, his ex-partner, who is still on the police force about his financial woes. On the train home, Michael meets a mysterious married woman named Joanne, played by Vera Farmiga, who proposes a hypothetical situation to locate someone named Prynne, who has a stolen item. She tells Michael that he will find $25,000 in the bathroom and be paid a further $75,000 when the task is done. He finds the money, but it turns out Michael took on more than he bargained for. Serving as the defense, Dave will argue that Liam Neeson, having defeated the human traffickers, the Sith, and a pack of Timberwolves, has finally confronted his most formidable foe, the 2008 financial crisis. Serving as the prosecution, Matt will argue that your time is better spent with less derivative and more original action movies, such as Taken 3, starring Liam Neeson. (laughs) We begin with the opening statements from the defense. So, Dave, please begin. Uh, So, Taken 3 was a great movie. It involves Liam Neeson on a train, solving a mystery. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Taken 3 is a good movie? Oh, is that what we watched? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Commuter, starring Liam Nielsen, is a good, great adventure thriller. It's all about one man going through his woes in his day, down on his luck, but he finds an opportunity. And the question is, would you take the same opportunity in life to get that bunch of dollars? Hey, let me restart this. Don't do jumping in that way. <laughs> Dave, you got the doll. You got the job. What's the salary? Bunch of dollars. <laughs> dollar dollar bills, yo. Oh, okay. Will you kill uh, someone for a bunch of dollars? <laughs> Taken three with Liam Neeson. <laughs> no. Fine, I won't do that then. No, it's funny. Do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. We watched a great film this weekend starring Liam Neeson called uh, Taken Three. It's about a man on a train with a big problem. That's it? That is an accurate. <laughs> that's an accurate. I mean, that's pretty accurate. No. Yeah. 
With the exception that you keep pronouncing Liam Neeson's name wrong. (laughs) What did I say? Nielsen. Neeson. Yes, Neeson. So this film, Taken 3, starring Liam Neeson, is a great thriller stuck inside a train. It involves the big question. Would you do something very sketchy for a bunch of money when you're down in your luck? And the answer is yes, you will. All right, thanks, Dave. We're going to swing it over to Matt for his opening statements. Matt, why shouldn't we watch this movie? Well, I mean, we should have even watched just Taken 3. It's essentially the same movie. Like, since since he did Taken in, like, what was that, 2007, 2008? Eight. Yeah. 2008. Okay, so... Since then, he's cranked out about a dozen versions of exactly the same movie, each more tired and strained than the last. There's Taken 2, Taken 3, and then there's all these ones that are like Taken on a plane, Taken on a battleship, Taken on a hot air balloon, Taken on a snowplow. Taken by wolves. Taken by wolves. Only one of those movies I just listed is actually made up, and this is my point. This one (laughs) happens to be on a train, but it just doesn't matter where it is. The commuter is just a, a, a tired, contrived iteration of every movie Liam Neeson has done in the past decade and a half. Don't don't bother with this garbage. Just uh, you need to just go chew, chew, choose another movie to watch. Holy fuck! Uh, yeah, we're gonna, that. yeah, we're gonna edit that out. We're gonna edit that. No, out. No, keep it in. Keep it in. That really derailed us, you guys. We'll oh never get God. back on track. Now. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. Stop doing this. <laughs> Okay, uh, I apologize on behalf of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I understand if you no longer want to listen, um, but we are going to swing to the first scene. And I think the best way to do that is to have Dave, we're going to have you set up the first scene um, and explain in argumentative fashion why this is a good movie. This whole first scene sets up the movie beautifully. So we get to learn more about Liam's character when we find out he is having a rough day. We think he's Getting cheated on with his wife, but we don't know. That doesn't matter. So we go into his work, and we find out he's laid off. No real reason. Just he's old, and they don't want to give him his retirement package. So he's laid off. He's down in the dumps, and he has to make the long train ride home. But on the train, he's approached by a mysterious woman named Joanne, who sets up this beautiful proposition for him. Find this mystery person, and we will give you some money. What a perfect timing. You need some money? Here's a little sketchy thing to do. And this sets up the hour-long adventure on the train to find the mysterious person. What about the next hour of the movie? This movie is like two hours long. (laughs) This movie is one hour long, and it's beautiful. Hold up. Are you claiming there's not a second hour to this movie? Yeah, part two, you don't watch. You stop, and the movie's perfect. (laughs) Oh, is this this the commuter recut? That the special edition? No, this is the theatrical release, and Matt watched the extended, extended director's cut, and we think we should strip (laughs) that section from the records. Oh, it's one of those hour-long movies, right? Okay. (laughs) Um, Those big-time theatrical releases that only was an hour long, sure. It's one of those Dave (laughs) Rector cuts, you know? We've all all seen them. You mean where he fell asleep halfway through? (laughs) That's usually how his descriptions of movies go, and then all the plot drops off because I was asleep. Okay, Matt, time for a rebuttal. What do you have to say to this characterization of the initial scene? It's entire, like, so essentially this sets off like this entirely convoluted, super contrived Rube Goldberg machine of a movie plot device that like, he has to find hold this person. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what, what does he have to do? He just has to find the person. How is that confusing? Oh, but then, it, oh man, that's just the start of it. Then he has to go, he has to narrow down who's, 
who's on the train and like who's a regular on the train. And then he has to pin it, whoever he's got this GPS tracker that they hide in his jacket and this all of this entire convoluted stuff. So basically what you boiled it down to is he has to find a person still and he has to determine who it is on the train full of people. Oh boy. But like this entire movie hinges upon this entire convoluted exercise hinges upon the idea that Liam Neeson rides this train every day. And therefore, just like everyone else who rides trains, is best friends with every single other person who rides that train every day. Have you ever, if you're taking a train or a bus to work, have you ever once even made eye contact on purpose with another human being? Let alone, like, yes. struck up a conversation with them and learned their life story. The answer is no. That's how you get stabbed. Exactly. That is a lie. That's- I... I enjoyed my commutes back when I was in my university days with all the same people. Tell, were, tell me about one of tell me about one of those people that you're best friends with now on the bus. It was an old man. He went to the supermarket every morning on the same bus. Oh yeah, what's his name? I don't know his name, but we always said hi. This is highly suspicious. Who goes to the grocery <laughs> store every single day? Old people. This man not buying. They them? go. That's their daily trip. They go to the store. They buy like two pieces or two items, and that's it. Okay, actually, I can totally relate to that right now, so I believe that. That's very familiar. As I get older, that becomes more and more believable, yes. As the the global lockdown tightens, grocery store trips become my only escape to the outside world, so (laughs) I I feel that man's pain. But we still don't believe you, Dave. My point (laughs) is, though, if you're taking the same train for 10 years, and it's not a big train, it's not huge, you would start to see the regulars pretty... Clearly. And you see the outliers. Like, that's not a a surprise. It's not. I, I mean, this train, it looks like it has at least a couple hundred people on it, right? Like, any of these big, like, commuter trains into a city. Would you be best friends with, like, a hundred people? There's, like, literally only like, 30 people. Well, that's that's because this, you know, this budget has a, this movie has a budget that's only limited to so much. We can't show every single character in it. They only had an hour to film. Like, it's not that big of a film. <laughs> Oh man! They couldn't, they couldn't make it through all the the train cars in an hour's time, so they had to cut it down. Okay, uh, Matt, anything else to add before we recess and and get some questions from our jury? So, okay, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm not. If I'm jumping out too far ahead of this, but we also find out that somehow that his family is in danger from this person that's um, given them this opportunity. So, essentially, what is it? Is it right. is it the money? Is it the hundred thousand dollars that he could get, or is it that his family's in danger? He finds out later. His family with his like, so like the, with his adultering life wife that is implied throughout the movie until this point, right? Yeah, but that comes later. But this scene is like, put yourself in his shoes. You have two mortgages to pay, and someone comes up with this like this opportunity for you. Would you take a hundred thousand dollars to find one person on a train? Wouldn't you be? A, the movie brings you right in. The movie brings you into that spot. It's like it throws you in. It's like ooh. I'm in this zone. I'm in the zone. I'm in this movie now. Drags you right into it. Yeah, and the, and it really set up this uh, this fact that the family has been taken hostage potentially by constantly the wife and the husband pointing at their rings, being like, "Look, the ring, this ring I'm wearing." <laughs> and then it's revealed later. Our uh, other juror member who could not join us because he relies on um, faulty software. He asked if there was any s- inferior hardware as well. Really overpriced. Inferior. Yeah. Uh, flashy, gaudy, um, worthless, really. Uh, anyways, please continue. 
Apple's going to come down on us with an iron fist. You guys know that. Yeah. So so our fellow juror, who's a slave to branding, um, he asked if there's any setups and payoffs in this episode, and the ring would be one, right? Dave, wouldn't you think the ring is a setup and a payoff in this movie? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I'll give him that. It is. No, that's a good thing for you. I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> I know, but we don't need to focus on that. The whole movie is an hour long in a train. Trying to find out who Print is. Oh no! Oh, uh, we have some. We're getting yelled <laughs> at by our by our fellow jury member. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a we have an uninvited guest in in the in the courtroom right now who's demanding to be heard. He asks, "Why would an agency rely so heavily on only one person to do do this job? They're monitoring everything. Could they not also determine?" who this person is on their own in a more practical way than playing a game with so many variables. And of course, we're not going to answer that question because we do not take questions from outsiders. So we're going to move on. I'm going to answer that anyways, because we don't know there's this giant organization controlling everything at this point. All we know is this one person is trying to find another person and they're offering a hundred thousand bucks to do it. Hold on. Hold on a second. In this proposal, she also knows everything about Liam Neeson. She does know that he used to be a cop. And she implies that he didn't, didn't she know that he lost his job at this point? Like essentially we're setting it up that there's this like omniscient God of a, of a, of an organization That's that has. the thriller aspect. Aren't you brought in Matt? Man, this is intense. We don't know what's going on. This is kind of, kind of thrillish. I guess. But like, then we realize that like, if you think about it for a second, so they know basically every detail about Liam Neeson. They know they, they know, know his two job. pretty broad details. They know he used to be a cop, and he just and got given fired. that this is like Taken Eight, that we know that he used to be a cop, and he has a very particular set of skills. This is like so. If you think about it for a second, they know all this stuff about Liam Neeson's character. Then how come they don't know anything about the person they're trying to find? Because they know stuff about him because of his buddy. Alex Murphy, Mr. Robocop himself. He has the database of the FBI on his head, right. so he can give him that, that info. Okay, so we're kind of giving away the ending here, but, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen The Commuter yet. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is this is really, or excuse me, Taken 3. I, I don't even know the difference anymore. Uh, Alex Murphy is A, the name of Robocop, which you'll know from listening to our early episode about Robocop and Robocop 2. And he is the ex-partner of Liam Neeson in this movie. But all we learn about him initially is at the bar that he finds out that Liam Neeson's laid off and that he does not like Sam Neill, a.k.a. Velociraptor Dinosaur Man. (laughs) So our suspicion is mostly directed towards Sam Neill at this point, but... If you have like eyes or have ever seen a movie before, you're you're kind of suspicious of Alex Murphy as well. So with that said, what is the proposition? Is it money or is it a threat against his family? At this point, it's money. Will okay. you do this task for a bunch of money when you're in a shitty position? So for- and that what gets you brought into the movie? That it takes the audience and it shoves you into that spot, and it's great. You're all into it. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? Who's pulling the strings? Where's this money coming from? Why is it in a toilet? Okay. <laughs> Why is it in a toilet? Oh, yeah. Right. So so Liam Neeson takes the money. Takes the job. And he agrees to the job. And what are his particular set of skills that make him so indispensable to this semi-omnipotent corporation-cabal that's trying to find this Prin character? So, so apparently he used to be a detective, and that's about it. And you just yeah, kind but of. That's not a skill set. What does he do in this movie that makes him 
in particular I, so useful. I would, he's rode the train multiple times. That's his skill set. I would argue he's actually terrible at his job, and there's a reason he's not a detective anymore. Because he accuses <laughs> no less than five different people of being prim. <laughs> And none of them are printed <laughs> till it's the very last person on the train who ends up being the person he's looking for. Spoilers. Oh, okay, well, well God. Yeah. God Spoilers. Jesus, man. Listen, well, like, what are we doing here? Also, okay. this movie never is resolved. It just ends about an hour in, and then we don't find any resolution <laughs> no, to it. Um, we, we see that, and he finds Prin. That's the whole story. The whole thing is he got to find this lady or this person on a train within a time frame before he gets to the last stop. And he does. That's the Okay, movie. we're going in circles here. Yeah. We're going to recess for a moment. We're going to get a word from the juror. Tom, do you have any questions for our prosecution or defense here? Do you think it's fair to say that Liam Neeson in every movie that he does now is just a guy with a specific set of skills? Is it safe to say that he has no character in this movie? I would like the judge to move this question to the next set of uh, <laughs> next scene, please. <laughs> this, this one fits the next scene. The defense will answer the question. <laughs> yes oh thank you all right thank you I, that's, tom, that's all i needed tom no further questions uh, i would also like to know if, if they're motivating liam neeson's character with money why are they threatening his family at the same time we don't know that yet they're not threatening his family yet it's when he figures out that she's related to that situation that they have to give him more motivation right so what do they okay. give him initially about this prin character what does he think this person, why are they looking for this person? They don't give her much, much information. That's the thing. It's a it's a mystery. You gotta solve it. <laughs> <laughs> what they tell you about it? So they say so they basically just said this person is getting off at some specific stop. And we found it it's like the essentially the last stop of the route. So Yeah, but didn't they say that she stole something, that she had stolen goods? Because they say this woman has a bag with something stolen in right, it. Right, yes. Yeah. Not so she stolen has, with something in it. They didn't say stolen. No, something stolen. Yeah, they said stolen. Can we pause this and go back and check? All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to no, sit no, here for hold, 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 20 hold, hold. minutes of a, silence. While we, we, we have a perfect person for this job. The useless piece of crap juror member with Apple products. <laughs> yeah, but there's no way the Apple computer is going to be able to play this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It can't stream things off of the internet. It's an Apple. What are you thinking? All right, so my memory might be failing me in my old age, but I don't remember them say stolen objects. Okay, well, until one of our um, court bailiffs can go and track down this information and, and send it to the court in a, in a small letter, we're just going to assume that I'm right, but we'll come back to that question a bit later. So why don't we just go to the next scene? Let me check my, my court documents here. And scene two, we'll have Matt. Please introduce the scene. And this one is, what do we know about these suspects? What do we know about them? Well, essentially, we know nothing about Liam Neeson, except he used to be a detective and he has these particular set of skills, which are revealed to be kind of nonsense. And he's kind of crappy at it anyway. So, but anyway, we just assume that he's this badass secret agent dude, but he's just kind of pathetic in the end he just he gets maced by a young girl gets his ass kicked a few times by a few different people and then as i said he 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 fingers the wrong person to be print like four or five times phrasing <laughs> people people get fingered yeah people get fingered in this movie that was that was in that second hour that dave missed oh sorry <laughs> go on matt so then his job is he has to it's this like convoluted ridiculous plot where he has to 
He has to identify all the people that are not regulars on this train and investigate who they are. Maybe they're this person. So then he goes from the start to the end of the train, like looking at all the people's ticket stubs that are that are uh, wedged into the seat, seeing where they're getting off. And then he, oh, there's this Wall Street guy who's like the stereotypical, like talking on his Bluetooth headphone, being a douche, wearing a suit. Then a young girl that he like profiles with it with pink hair it's like oh that must be that that must be the one too because you know they have pink hair and that's counterculture and you know and she does turn out to be a thief so his prejudice was completely (laughs) justified she wasn't a thief her boyfriend was she's a liar too that's exactly what a thief would say exactly (laughs) he also then racially profiles uh an african-american gentleman to be the be the bad guy too because well just because he's black Proven murder, uh, by the way. Did this black guy have a gun? Uh, later, because Liam Neeson told everyone on the train about this whole thing, when the person who like gave him this plan in the very first place said, don't tell anyone about this or else you'll get it. And then he does. All right. Who else is on the train? Who, el- who else is on the train? I it's basically a bunch of like nothing nonsense characters. Like it, they, this movie tries to make it kind of like a... I don't know, a breakfast club or a speed or something like that, where you have this like motley crew of interesting people on the train. But I just don't care about any of them. Well, we also have Mike Ehrman Trout on the train. Oh, yes. So, oh, yeah. So that's another. Here's another reason. You have Mike Ehrman Trout from Breaking Bad, who is criminally underused. He's in like two scenes. Uh, so I guess congratulations to him for you know making a swift exit off this trash heap of a movie. So what happens with Mike is he's like, he's basically his old buddy and Mike is reading the paper and Liam Neeson comes up to him. Once he realizes that his family is in danger, he writes this covert little note on it and says, call the police. My family's in danger. Then Mike gets off the train and apparently he's going to go call the police. And then essentially one of uh, Vera Farmiga's goons pushes him in front of a bus. So which leads me to believe that Vera Farmiga and their whole cabal have basically people stationed at every stop on this whole train route. And they have people in every car watching Liam Neeson's every move. But instead, they use all of this to just kind of terrorize Liam Neeson instead of finding the person that they're looking for in the first place. Dave, what do you have to say about this nonsense? Okay, so this is, at first glance, a bunch of nonsense. (laughs) <laughs> but, but when you dig a bit deeper, if you dig a little deeper, you're gonna find some fucking gems. And it's, it's like Illuminati style. They're controlling everything from the shadows, and they themselves cannot be shown. So they're trying to get everyone else to do the dirty work for them, so nothing can come back to them. It's very clever. Super, super high intelligence right there. It, it, is it? Is it, Dave? It is. But mainly. Oh. Breaking news just in from our court reporter. Dave was right. They mentioned that there's a stolen item in the bag. Well, our court reporter is inept because that's what I said. That's the opposite of what Dave said, but um, good work anyway. God. So there, Sorry there to interrupt stolen? you, Dave. All right. Apologies. There was stolen Apologies. something Apologies. in the, bu- in the My bag. My mistake. My faulty memory. But back on this one. The actors in this film were great. Everyone on the train, they play their roles pretty good. You're never taken out of the moment. And, like, could you find a better actor for Liam Neeson's role? They got the perfect person. A six-year-old badass? Yeah, they got Liam to play Liam. It's perfect. Because that's his role. He's playing himself. I mean, okay. I guess. But he's he also gets his ass kicked a bunch of times. He's not really he's that badass. He's 60 years old. 
Yeah, so he's we were, fought multiple yeah, and what people. What good a, what what good action hero doesn't get his ass kicked a little bit? Like it's no fun if they don't get beat up a bit. Steven this Seagal. Is, this show Next This show is bringing in the real life. Like it's it's showing that like anyone could be in this position. And it's like what would you do in all these situations? I, I feel like they brought you in pretty good. Liam did a great acting. Like he never was out of the moment. He was serious through everything. He was there to make a great hour-long film. <laughs> Well, that's the real question. Like, it's it's a bit ironic that this late in his career, he's become like the de facto action hero and de facto sixty-year-old action hero. Right. I mean, it's really odd, but he does play the character well. It's believable. Uh, Matt, what do you think? How would you rate Liam Neeson's performance in this movie? This okay. This is the one thing I'll concede. He he's doing the best he can here. He's doing he's doing as much as he can with what little tripe they give him in this script and like stuff to do. But like when you think about it, like all of it is just complete nonsense because, okay, so we know, we know uh, from the initial preposition that the person he's looking for is getting off at the last stop of the train. So we spend an hour of him running from front to back of the train, getting mace, getting into fights with people when he could have just waited until the last stop of the train when there's only like four people left and then just like figured out who it was then. But that wouldn't be a thriller. Couldn't they just bomb the train? Couldn't they just? And they also, well, I mean, spoilers. They they also tried to do that. So why didn't they just bomb it in the first place? Because they wanted it to be all smoke and mirrors. They wanted that <laughs> mystery of who was going to do it from the shadows. Who's they? <laughs> and we don't know. That's the mystery, Dylan. We never know. It's so Stop spooky. raising your eyebrows at the judge. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all the point of this movie, content. though. Like, he is on the train trying to figure out who Prin is, and he gets little stangs up. Like, like he runs into the African-American with the guitar case with the gun and stuff. A little tussle there. So the black guy, the black guy did have a gun. One of the only black <laughs> characters in this movie had a gun. Just want to point yeah, out. Yeah, but the conductor was black, and he saved everybody, so. Yeah. Also, he runs into the FBI agent, which he originally thinks is the bad person, Prin. And has a tussle Wait, there. He fights with the FBI agent? Why? Yeah. Yeah, he fights because, okay, he, so he, he thinks that the FBI agent, he's he's also profiling this guy because he has oh, a neck of course. tattoo. His police background, it makes so much sense. Of course, only people with neck tattoos have to be the bad guys. So he thinks that this dude is the person that he's looking for. So he fights with him and then he plants this like GPS tracker that he got from that was planted on him by the this mysterious Illuminati cabal people he plants this GPS tracker on the FBI agent and then the FBI agent gets killed because of that so Liam Neeson is essentially responsible for the death of an innocent person this is our hero this is the hero of the movie exactly he is the regular person made a mistake it happens <laughs> i think we're starting to see why it he brings was you it brings you into this movie more. You can see the real, the real fuck when up the of the last human. time you killed somebody. <laughs> I know I might have done something well, in my passing that resulted in someone dying. You're right. That is the same thing. <laughs> you're right. He is an everyman. <laughs> I, I also want to bring up the Illuminati in this film. Like they're they're evil quotation marks, <laughs> but they okay. also don't want to kill innocent people. Usually, usually they're trying to do everything to get their way without killing the general populace. Right, that I think is their ultimate goal. That's why well, they don't like pull the some kind of tolerant murder that you're describing here. <laughs> I believe that is the term. I think that might be the case. Yes. Cool. <laughs> okay, they so let me get, get this straight. 
So we have this racist ex-cop who was fired for racial profiling. <laughs> well, 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 well. Uh, they, we don't know they, he's racist. I think Matt is well, going on a, on every, a limb there. I think Matt's a little bit of a Everything that's stretch. been told, he, he initially, in a train full of a bunch of white people, he accuses the only black guy. And then he accuses a guy with a neck tattoo. And next he accuses a punk looking girl with pink hair. I think we know why he's not a cop anymore. The first person he accused, I think, was the businessman. It was his first. Who is also is a who also I think is uh, of South Asian descent. So basically, any visible minority in this Can movie. Can we get must the court the reporter to weigh in on who was the first person accused? Uh, thanks, thanks in advance. Sincerely, a concerned jury member. Yeah. All I'm saying is the acting was pretty damn good in this movie. It kept you in. The thrill of the ride was going. Never lost its tracks. It was always on track. Oh. For an hour. For one hour. Yeah. Uh, so th- we- just to clarify, it definitely does lose its tracks at one point. Quite no. literally, it Never falls does. off the tracks. It literally falls off the tracks. Go- the, the, the ending... Oh, right, because it ends after an hour. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> All will be clear. I, I know this is very confusing to the listening audience, but it's because Dave doesn't recognize the existence of the second hour of this movie which we were all very shocked to find about an hour in when we toggled the scroll button and saw that there was, in fact, one hour left in a movie that we thought should be over in about 10 minutes. Um, I actually okay, would have been so happy if the movie ended there. That would have been better. <laughs> yeah, It would have been fine. He finds the girl. He puts the tracker in. Mission what? success. Now we move on to Mission Impossible <laughs> yeah, 3. let's talk about the derailment. No, 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 no. I have like a million questions. So, okay, first question. <laughs> Dave, I think you have to answer this. What is the ultimatum that they pose to Liam Neeson? We'll give you money or we'll kill your family. So they give him, they, they lead him into it with the money. And then when he finds out that they want to erase her instead of just taking back the evidence... He uh, is a good guy, just a generally good guy, and refuses to kill her. So then they had to threaten him with his family's. But he's not money. a good guy. He took the money. Yeah, that doesn't make you a bad person. Taking the money to find someone—that's not. That's like, yeah, you know, basic PI work. He's just a PI right now. Right, and based on the info that he initially has, he just thinks he's trying to locate someone who stole some goods. As a cop, though, this is highly suspect, and he should have been fucking suspicious right from the get-go. He's, he's not but, a cop, though, at this point. Right. Well, we'll suspect as an ex-cop. Uh, we'll suspend our disbelief on that and just be like, okay, he thinks naively that someone has some stolen goods, and he's trying to find this person. Okay. So then he learns that they're, in fact, not trying to find stolen goods, but they're trying to kill this person because the he finds out that the um, the FBI agent who he planted the tracking device on, he finds him dead. So that's when they switch over to threatening his wife and child, right? Basically. Yeah, because uh, he failed to put the tracker on the right person, and now mm-hmm. they need him to kill her instead of just following her. Couldn't he move the tracking device to another person? <laughs> Does it have to stay on one person? Why did they need to threaten his family? He's still doing the job. No, he's refusing <laughs> to. He, he didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, wait, he's- so hold on. For, for my own understanding here. He placed the tracker on the dude who then got killed and stuffed under the undercarriage of the train. And then he's like, oh, yes, I won't do it anymore. You can't fake me. And then uh, the people on the other end of the line are like, you're going to have to or else we're going to kill your wife and son. Is that how it went? Yes, that's exactly how it went. And it was great. Yeah. And then they were like, remember that ring that you kept pointing at like a psychopath in the beginning of the movie? Well, we got your wife's wedding ring. And he's like, oh, shit. 
Um, so then he he calls his partner to to go and like check on his family, which will come back later. But what still bothers me at this point is this this com- this is like exactly what like QAnon accuses the Democrats of being, which is basically like <laughs> fully omnipotent and capable of like mass corruption and shadow working of the entire global economy and society. But at the same time, completely incapable of doing anything for themselves. So they have to enlist like the most inept people on this train to do all their bidding for them. They don't want any ties to themselves. They want to have four puppet masters to do all their bidding. Like it's a puppet master of a puppet master of a puppet master. Puppet master. The FBI already it's knows. Brilliant. It's so high intelligence. They, you guys they, can't well, follow I, it. Well, I know I that I can't follow it. But the FBI in this movie, they already knew about the shadow organization, right? Because they put a person on nope. the train. They just know that someone was trying to kill her. They didn't know who. So why did they put that guy on the train with a neck tattoo and a gun? To make sure she got there safely. But they knew. They, they didn't know. They didn't know who she was still. They, they so don't the FBI even know. didn't even know. So what was he doing there? He was trying to find her. How? All they know is that one passenger on this train was going to that stop, and no one knew who Prin was. Not the evil organization. Except they knew, they knew what train she was on. That's it. Because they set the destination. Come to this who spot. Who set the destination? The FBI. Who did? The she- FBI. So they were in contact with her. Right. So what's clear, and this is brought up by our... Right. This is making no sense. So, so, but the... And, and our court reporter brought this up. The Illuminati is willing to kill random people to make a point, Right. And that's what that's what they kept saying. Like, you shouldn't have done that. Now we're going to kill this person. Now we're going to kill this person. Wouldn't it have just been easier to kill, you know, wait till the end of the line and kill a few FBI agents if you have to? No, it's you're that's gonna, not You've easier. already killed one. Wouldn't it be better to put someone on the train, find one person that no one knows who it looks like, and just kill that one person and blame it all on an ex-cop? And you'll but no they have to rely to on anyone. so many unknown variables. They have to rely on number That's one. That's what makes it a mystery. The African-American jazz musician. They have to rely <laughs> on Liam Neeson. They have to rely... Who else knows about this freaking plot? There's like four people. <laughs> I think just the They're, FBI, Liam, Joanne, and the African-American guy. Just four. Four total. What about the... Because, you know, I don't know anything about this because I've never seen this movie. That's how we do these episodes. But what about that one character who's like, you need to stop right now? It's that like black chick. And she talks to him very briefly. She's like, they're everywhere. They could see everything. Oh, yeah. She knows, too. Yeah. She, she gives, knows. What But she she's not him? on the train, though. <laughs> You've got Therefore, you are wrong, Tom. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. All right. All right. I think okay. we're never going to come to a satisfying resolution on this. So let's just jump to the third scene that Dave, you do not recognize as existing. Uh, the third scene, I believe, is when he finds her and they get her safely to the FBI and the movie is over. It's a great ending. Okay. Interesting take. Is, uh, Matt, is, this, what actually happened? So this is essentially when Dave kind of like dozed, uh, like woke, woke up at the very last scene, of the, just as the credits were about to roll. Like, oh, look. Everyone's happy again. He finished his loaded nachos and just passed out in a cheese-induced coma. <laughs> so what would actually happens is essentially, as you alluded to earlier, it's, it's kind of like, I guess it's like the law and order problem where you see like there's only one other name actor that shows up in any episode. And you know, well, that's definitely got to be the person who did it. So this essentially is what happened in this one. So you see Patrick Wilson, his old ex-partner, and Sam Neill at the beginning of the movie. And you know, well, one of these two is going to be in on it. One of these two is going to be the mole that's, you know, the bad guy in some capacity. We don't, although we don't know at the time, it's the Illuminati 
shadow cabal lizard people. But essentially, it, the last scene is like this cabal like gets frustrated and like somehow their immaculate plan of getting complete strangers to do all their bidding for them doesn't work out like they wanted it to. Shocking. So they just try to blow up the train anyway. So the train <laughs> derails. And then this cop, Patrick Wilson, shows up and then he does the old bad guy thing where he reveals his plan and his all of his connections and that he's the bad guy all along. And essentially, Sam Neill or uh, Liam Neeson beats him up, get, does some like ID tagging MacGuffin kind of thing to get him shot by the other police that are uh, surveilling this hostage situation that they think is going on. And then the movie basically ends. Sam Neill says, well. You did a great job. We'll hire you to be a detective again, even though you've displayed that you are completely inept oh, at here, being a detective. You're like a wait, 65 so this, year old here's, man. Here's the very subtle thing that we all missed. It actually turns out Liam is undercover for the last 10 years to find this organization. Oh, my God. That's why he doesn't get the job fully offered this, to him because he already had it. They're on the trail oh. from 10 years ago. And it all comes down to this. Hold on a sec, honey. I'm do you have cold. a single shred of evidence to back <laughs> any of that up? <laughs> what do you mean? What evidence? Objection. What evidence do I need? <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. This is not. Pure God hearsay. damn it, Michael. We have two mortgages out and you've gambled away our co- kids' college tuition. <laughs> I'm undercover. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of the scheme. He needs to give Illuminati a reason to select him as the person get into the he needs a way to get in that circle any little strand like any little pullman and this is it he needs to have no jobs 10 years hugely in debt and that's how they get to him he gambled the life of his wife and child and his own career they're not even his family tom (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) he had a psychotic break the second he got fired and just invented this implausible, impossible crime scene to get his job back and save his family, when in reality, he just drinks himself to death in that bar immediately after. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that have legit been a great movie? I would have liked that. Our court reporter asks, what was Patrick Wilson's overall plan? I don't remember who Patrick Wilson was. Who's Patrick Wilson? Detective Alex Murphy. Robocop. Yes. Yeah, he's Robocop. can I, can I just say, as a jury member, it's very distressing to see uh, someone just have the name of a beloved Robocop character in the middle of a film. Uh, ruins the entire experience for me. Anyways, <laughs> really back to the question. Okay, what was Patrick Wilson's overall plan? He was planning on getting on the derailed train and killing all of the hostages and Liam Neeson in order to kill the target, which does seem to be... Again, this whole cabal has like 10 different contingency plans when... They should have just relied on, like, contingency plan number three, which is blow up the fucking train. Like, can, whatever. Can we have Derail a neutral train. judge here, please? I feel like you're taking sides already. <laughs> this is not a... Hey, the decision's not up to me. It's up to the impartial jurors. Um, our other... Our, our court reporter adds, the train was being monitored. Wouldn't the cops find it suspicious that the hostage negotiator, negotiator did a poor job and just killed everyone? Uh, Dave, we'll give that question to you. Uh he wasn't trying to kill everyone. He was just trying to kill the one person. And he would have been able to spin that off as like, oh, we had a tussle in the train. The gun went off magically. Accidentally killed he... the one person. You don't know. It if 10 witnesses, If 10 witnesses go, that cop murdered like five people. And they're going to be like, no. Nah. Man, those witnesses were all part of Illuminati. What? You can't say they weren't. Uh, 
Yeah, he's got us there. We can't say they won. I can't that's say. That's true. So that's the I'm problem. Ready this, to this, render a this movie, it's so deep and so wide that <laughs> you can never say it can't because it may. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's always a possibility with this deep of a a hidden organization, right? Um, Matt, how do you respond to I, you can't always say it may because you don't no, know if it isn't. <laughs> do you remember I, what you said? Because uh, I got I got lost in, because it may. Response it. I I I. I, I, I I rest my case, I think. I don't know. What's I think, going on? I think I just had an aneurysm. What's <laughs> happening to me? Does anyone else, like, smell blood? Is that I just think you guys <laughs> all have an aneurysm because this part of the movie never happened. It ended when he found Prin. Mystery solved. Give me my money and get home to your wife and kids. Can, can we talk very briefly about... Essentially, the entirety of the movie is really about Liam Neeson not having a job. And then getting a job at the end after terrorizing a train full of people willy-nilly for about an hour, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, That's basically... a beautiful moral of a story. <laughs> because he's done such Do a, a good job. Shit and you'll get your job back. He's just duly rewarded for uh, murdering several people, derailing a train. This, this, this whole thing but is... Does he ever physically kill someone himself? Or does everyone yeah. die? He, th- he jazz throws- musician. He throws the jazz musician out of the train and that other yes, dude, yes. he gets okay. like run over yeah. by a, the coming, a train coming the other direction. He had it coming. He might have been okay, though. We didn't yeah, see him know. die. We, we didn't see him die. That. We did not see it. With a movie that's this deep and this can't. wide, it you may. can't. It just may. I. Oh, God. <laughs> what if Mike Ermintrout is, is behind this whole thing? What if he didn't die earlier in the movie? You don't know. I could have been fine. I honestly thought he was going to be revealed as a conspirator. I really did. <laughs> I thought so too. I thought, oh, Mike from Breaking Bad is on here. It must, it, you know, this movie can't be that bad. He's he's good. No, you know that you know going to literally push him in front of a bus to get him out of the movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, you, the scene. So to clarify, way way back. Uh, the scene when uh, Liam Neeson realizes that this shit is like serious. Uh, he tries to pass a secret message to Mike Ermintrout by just writing a little note on a newspaper that he was holding. I genuinely thought Mike Ermintrout was going to look at the note and be like, you really shouldn't have done that. You should have <laughs> taken the money. And then Liam Neeson would be like, what? You fucking know that I'm not supposed to be a... <laughs> That's my impression. Also, That's really good. That's, That's a really good, good Liam Neeson yeah. accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but oh, nope, no, he just turns out to be a completely innocent victim, which is, it, it, he was a weird casting choice for that role. He, he fit the movie vibe, but like for his, what his ultimate role was, was a bit surprising. So what you're um, saying is the people they chose to be actors in this film worked well. Well, it's it not was, up to it me, was some, but up to yeah. the Good acting right there. That's what I think the judge is saying there, gentlemen. Yeah. yeah what is the juror saying? Yeah. Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern's penis. We can't hear him because his Apple products fail them hard. So, I don't know. Again, people, buy PC. Uh, Matt, we're going to give you uh, any chance for kind of final thoughts. I think we got uh, Dave's uh, philosophy of this movie, so we'll uh, we'll ask for your own. Uh, Okay, so I guess we'll just move to my my closing arguments. This this movie is wholly 
unnecessary and just like tired and it's it's essentially just like taking eight on a train and just you sh- we should have watched and taken three instead but we're all too cheap to to buy it on uh, google play or whatever it was this movie was primed for derailment right from the start holy fuck <laughs> i'm gonna kill myself again it's the end of the line for this one what else do i got here any other good ones how did the movie conduct itself <laughs> It really had its signals crossed the entire time. <laughs> As you can tell from how steamed all the council was. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's okay. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, don't watch this movie. It sucks. The end. All right. Thank you for your closing statements. And now for his argument, which is the opposite of it might not always seem to be like it is, but it do. Dave, your closing statements. <laughs> So this movie is just like a Taken movie. If you if you want some action, you want some thriller, you want some good acting, jump on the train, take a ride. Just only stay for an hour though. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thanks, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the juries have the juries thrown up all over themselves. Okay, so now we go to our deliberation stage. We're gonna start with the jury member who actually took the time and effort to show up to court today, which is really a sign of character. And commitment. Um, so, Tom, pass judgment on this movie, please. Thank you. Uh, I would like to point out that it is really a mark of uh, commitment and dedication to show up, to be here, to review mm-hmm. these movies, especially in, in such a privileged role as, as juror. And I think that anyone that doesn't take it seriously um, is really just a, a poo-poo doo-doo head. But what's important to take away <laughs> from the 2018 film, Taken 3, Train Harder, What's what's really important here is that it sounds like a movie that needed to end after an hour that definitely should have probably stopped very quickly, but then just kept going on and on and on and on. And the more things you add into it, the more ridiculous it becomes until at the end where you're going, yeah, give him his job back, whatever. He, he should probably be going to jail for a long time for all the things that he did. But uh, that doesn't seem to happen. Uh, overall, I think that I will not be watching this movie in favor of watching Taken 1 again, because that's a great film. Thank you for that verdict. And I couldn't agree more. The fact that you showed up is a real demonstration of your willingness to fulfill your civic duty. Um, Thank and it you, will not go. Thank you. It will not be overlooked. Um, I, too, will not be watching this movie. But I will try to watch Taken 3 throw Robocop from the caboose. So we'll try and track that movie down (laughs) as soon as possible. And so concludes yet another successful case in Grindhouse Courthouse. Tune in next week. Bye.